Welcome to Health from the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lily Hartwell, a licensed naturopathic doctor and registered herbalist on a mission to catalyze your autoimmune healing journey. I'll show you the tools and how you can grow. Here we go. Today on Health from the Heart, we have Shayna, a UK-based transformational life coach and guide who works with women all over the world. She's on a mission to help people reconnect to themselves so that they can rise up and master their lives whilst embodying self-love. There were so many morsels to this particular podcast that we separated it into two. Now, just thinking about what you're, you're talking, like a couple of things like came to came to my mind and one of them is the importance of staying connected to our why because you do hear about it people leaving a nine to five and replacing it with a nine to ten but (laughs) we forget sometimes that we're in the driver's seat we're the conscious creators of our realities we get to create a life that we love and also when you were talking about that like homestead she said it sounded like absolutely beautiful in the garden and it reminded me of a team meeting I was in in the corporate job a while ago it just came to my mind while you were talking and somebody in the team was retiring so they were like 63 years old leaving for retirement a bit early and they were talking to the team saying their goodbyes and they were like they're going to spend more time in the garden and they're really excited because they're going to see their friends more and everybody in my team were like cheering them on and amazing I were like oh my god this is so sad I am not waiting until I am 63 years old to spend more time in my garden no chance like it's so important that we grasp like onto life now like and create a life we love to live now it's not a goal to aim for like we create a life we love now and then we just expand it and expand it and expand it but yeah just wanted to talk about that I completely agree that's so funny that you said that because actually that my parents being that model that they really started living their life once they got into retirement and semi-retirement now they're at that now they're deep and comfortable in that. And sometimes my mom will go back to work for a little while for a part-time job yeah. because what she does, she loves so much and it's numbers and it's Excel spreadsheets. And it's just a completely different world that I, I don't seem to understand yeah. or identify with, but w- watching them model that. And the same thing for my grandparents, um, they didn't really, I don't feel like they really started living their lives the way they wanted to until they retired. And so me seeing that and watching that and being like kind of over here, like, Oh, I, I don't know that I envision that for my life. Like I, I would love, and I, and I, it's been something that I have strived to do even when I was in school, even as a high achieving student, I would go on a yeah. medical mission trip to a developing, to a third world nation or developing nation and say, this is my time. This is my break. And I'm going to go spend my break in Thailand or in Haiti or in Namibia in a tent. And um, there would be all this fear discussion that would go on about there's lions and you'll be camping near the lions and and elephants. And yes, I will. And I don't, I'm not ready to sacrifice (laughs) that. Like if I, if I die tomorrow, I want to know that I did everything. And that's a part of why I decided to be an entrepreneur. It's you and I both know that it's a different journey. It's, it's, um, it's such a dedicated journey. And yeah, sometimes you leave your nine to five for a nine to 10. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's a crazy, crazy situation. So anyway, um, 
that's kind of why I started doing entrepreneurship and deciding I didn't want to follow them in, into starting to live my life after retirement and also getting that feedback from my parents, you know, saying, I don't know that I would have lived my life the same way because they realized they were living for their retirement. They were just yeah. time yeah, yeah. working, working, working like my dad to the point where he got some severe um, medical conditions along his journey of, of his work ethic. And he didn't really start living and embracing life until, I mean, mind you, there were camping trips regularly and hiking, but it wasn't the same what they're doing now. And my dad's like working on the wood lathe and they're watching these YouTube videos of this family who has a homestead in Kazakhstan. And it's such a beautiful experience. It's somewhat random, but beautiful. Um, I'm so grateful that you brought that up because yes, you and I are not ready to uh, sacrifice our happiness and well-being to work in that world uh, of, and, and, and I don't really feel anyone should, if, if what you're doing, no, we, don't have like- to. we do get to have it all. It's not a case of, oh, we've got to choose spirituality versus using strategies, or we've got to choose between like really hustling or just being the complete opposite and in flow and not really achieving anything. We don't have to choose between those extremes. We get to have it all now. We get to be it all now. And we do, we get to create, yeah, what we what we want now. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about reframing limiting beliefs, because what we've been talking yes. about are these limits. Um, so how, how do you describe it? What is it best for? Um, when can it be done? Those kinds of things. Yeah, so we've all got beliefs. We all have stories and our ways of seeing the world. We all hold beliefs about ourselves and what we believe to be true about the world. And sometimes those beliefs are limiting us. They are holding us back from achieving the changes we wish to see or from reaching our next level. So um, when it comes to reframing them, just trying to think. So an example of like, there's so many examples of limiting beliefs, so many. But one example could be, say, you think you're a really terrible public speaker and it's just it's just how I am. I'm really bad at public speaking. I always have been. I always will be. And when I'm working with clients on reframing limiting beliefs and what I suggest people do is to try and find the core belief it stems from and don't just work on the surface level. So for example, with that public speaking one, the core belief underlying it might be something to do along the lines of um, it's not safe to be me or I'm unlovable. It might stem for something like that. So um. I try and really get to the the core belief underlying and then it's then it's not just all surface level that we're dealing with it's like deep lasting long-term transformation I'm all about um look at the evidence for your belief look at the consequences for keeping it and look to exchange it for a new belief as well when it comes to like rewriting it and reframing it And it's really important that when we're in a position where we've looked at where our belief came from, we've looked at the evidence, like, well, is it true that I'm a bad public speaker? (laughs) Is it really true that I'm going to stay terrible? Or is this skills I could learn and things like that? So once we've looked at the evidence, the consequences for keeping that belief, when it comes to reframing it, it's really important that we rewrite it and reframe it in a way that's believable 
So sticking with the public speaker example, like to go from I'm a bad public speaker, that's just me, I'll never change, to I am the best speaker in the world. Like, that's not believable. Our brain's going to be like, yeah, Reject yeah, right. This, this, yeah, this is believable. Reject it. Exactly. So we could like rewrite it and it could be something like every week my speaking skills are growing and growing or something like that. Um, so, yeah, that's a really like trying to put it in simple terms, how we can like what a limiting belief it is and how to reframe it. And I think it's important to remember as well with some of our beliefs and stories we hold, like sometimes they're not, but it's not a belief that we've picked up last week. Sometimes we've had these beliefs for decades. Okay. So I've had clients come to me in the past and they're really like annoyed and frustrated with themselves because they spent 20 minutes journaling and they've rewritten it and they've got the new belief, but they're not, they're not fixed yet. They're not cured. And I'm like, well, you've had it for decades. Like it's going to take time. It's like if if there's like a really big overgrown field that's like overgrown above head height and there's this path through this field that's been walked on repeatedly over the years, like it'll be really easy to walk through that path. It'll all be trampled down. And it's the same with our brain. When we're used to thinking a certain thought pattern, it's like really easy for our brain to be like, oh, limiting belief again, but we're creating a new pathway and it does mean trampling down that grass and it does take time and more effort, but we're building new pathways. So, yeah, it's just be patient, be patient. It's completely possible to like rewrite our stories and our beliefs completely, but be patient. Um, and that's partly why I share the story of like my childhood trauma as well, because I really want people to know how possible it is to rewrite our stories and to heal from things completely. There were so many truths in what you said that we can we can transfer right into medicine as well. But something okay. that came up for me that you that you mentioned. Um, so I had this this patient that came in and she was telling me uh, she's in a place of darkness because she's been working for years on, she, she wants to leave, this is the same patient, she wants to leave her nine yeah. to five and she wants to create a business. And she was telling me about the business model um, and she's working on also bu building a schooly van. So we were walking through some of these things. And as, yeah. we, as we went through this discussion, she tells me she's been working for two years on creating all the infrastructure as far as the, the scaffolding for the website and this and that with, with someone else. And then she came to find out that that person that she was working with bought the domain name and so of, of the thing they were working on. And so it, it was almost like he's creating his a necessity for him in her business that wasn't necessarily there and they don't exactly align. Um, so they are going to part ways. But we were having this discussion where she felt like everything was crumbling upon her. And I realized I've been here. I've already lived this. I already was in this situation and I, I already rose from this like a phoenix from the ashes. And I, I can now be the perfect mirror for this person. So I said, congratulations and welcome to being an entrepreneur. You've just secured your spot as an entrepreneur by recognizing what wasn't going to serve you before you got even further down that path. And that person showed you their true colors and that you weren't in alignment. So now you get to be self-reliant and find and shift for an assistant that is going to be in alignment. And that was beautiful and huge. And it's very much changing the meaning, just like you did with your reframe and how you walk through your process with your, with your clients. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's trying to look through life through the lens of how is this happening for me instead of, oh, it's all happening to me, but really trying to like pause and be like, hang on a minute, how, how could this be happening for me? So yeah, put those putting those lenses on, isn't it? And it's very much the tortoise and the hare, um, the the childhood fable. But, mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in medicine. You know, the way that you were talking about shifting thoughts and perspective in the story that you're telling yourself or that your client's telling themselves, that is very much what we what we do in naturopathic medicine. So I do do so I do mental health is such a huge component of what I do in my practice. But also from the physiological level, if someone has had gastritis or or irritation and inflammation in the stomach for 20 years, and then all of a sudden they want to get off their um, proton pump inhibitor and overnight they think that we can do that no we've got a wean but also you're we're going to be battling some of this acid reflux and these things that were associated for a time because it you it took 20 years of this manifestation in the physical body now we it's also going to take some time to heal it's not an overnight thing and especially um weaning yourself off of a medication there's a number of of nutrient deficiencies that occur, especially if that, that person wasn't in my care for the length of time in which they were receiving that other therapy. So now we have the replenishment process and then, oh, here is an undiagnosed hernia that's more advanced. And so that needs to get repaired. And there's all these other things that come along with the healing process. It's so much more complicated than just, we remove one obstacle to cure it. There are probably going to be multiple layers and it might take just as long to heal from something as it did for it to be created and for you to live mm-hmm. in the body without addressing things. So the mental and anatomical and physiological, they're also intertwined. Um, and I actually did recently have a patient that had um, gastritis and um, this hiatal hernia and actually got worse. And in the process of being in the appointment, she actually unpacked that as a teenager, she used to envision a metal ball like in the pit of her stomach associated with some of her interactions as a young child. And it was like, this is the epitome of something that's going on in your mind that you've manifested over time. And this is, you know, at this point, mid fifties, this has been going on for a very long time for her. And then it ultimately created something in her anatomical, literally her body changed to serve that um, visualization that she had had for so long it there it's just so interconnected and we as humans are so interconnected mm. it was this crazy moment for me yeah absolutely like the mind body connection is it's crazy and it wasn't until I burnt myself out a few years ago that I really <laughs> woke up to that mind body connection and I, I'm laughing because um I, I mean it wasn't funny at the time <laughs> But I'm laughing because um, I remember going to the doctors for months before I burnt out. And I'm like, there's something wrong with me. I was like, I am aching all over. I'm really fatigued all the time, all over body pain. I was like, I've got foggy, like brain, poor concentration. And they sent me for like three rounds of blood tests. They thought it might be vitamin deficiency, maybe my thyroid. um, And it all came back clear. And the doctors were like, there's nothing physically wrong with you. And I was like, don't you tell me there's nothing physically wrong with me. I was like, the bloody is. But um, I think it was just stress. My body screaming out for me to slow down. And also, I think for me, like a buildup of like following on from my childhood trauma, I think years and years and years of my body being in that like 
nervous system like stress response because I randomly started with asthma as well which is connected to inflammation which is related to stress so I'm yes yeah, so basically it took it took that happening for me to really like wake up to the mind body connection for sure What's so beautiful about you and I is that we, our demographic and who we serve is who we once were. So you mm-hmm. already you serve all these burnt out people and you assist them in rebuilding themselves, but it's because you've already had that journey. You already went there and built yourself back up. And now you get to be the mirror and the self-reflective nature and provide that to your clients. It's so beautiful. And I, myself, I also burned myself out multiple times um, as part of being in medical school and being a high achiever since I was very little. And actually something really interesting that my dad actually told me was that he was worried I was I was not going to amount to anything, that I was going to become some kind of artist. And I had never what? heard that. I had never heard that before that he had a talk with me when I was young and he was like, you kind of need to get it together because I was so happy go lucky. And I, it didn't seem like I was going to choose a path and stick with something. And he said he had this talk with me and I was like, I I don't know that I don't have any memory of that talk, but you know, something shifted and I ended up being, you know, go, go, go. And so what's beautiful is that you and I both serve our populations. And I, I ended up having all these autoimmune conditions come up for me and some of them went undiagnosed and it was a similar story. I would go and I would say, Hey, I'm not well. And they would say, you know, you're just a medical middle school student. You, you should be the epitome of health. And then the same story when I was in high school, um, I'm not well, I don't know what's going on. And this is after all these different travels and living in these developing nations and being exposed to these pathogens Mm -hmm. that I had never been exposed to before. And finally, when I was a junior in college, I went and I lived in Ecuador for um, about a month in like a wooden shack along the Amazon. And when I came back, I told the urgent care doctor, I was like, I have had a sustained period of um, gastrointestinal upset and diarrhea. And I am, I'm not well, I'm losing weight and I'm already very petite, like something is wrong. And he didn't even glance at the fact that I had been living in another country um, in the conditions that I had been living in. It didn't even occur to him. And so I went back and I had a, brought a stool sample and it's like this hilarious story with my family. I was intent upon him checking this and I was like, something is not right. And it turns out I had contracted a gastrointestinal disease while I was there, a bacterial infection, and it had been going on for months to the fact that I was losing so much weight. I was not getting any nutrients. And and the CDC, uh, the state health department contacted me because it's a CDC reportable disease. And they were like trying to figure out what restaurants I had been eating at. And I was like, no, no, this is from when I was living in, in, in South America. And this practitioner just didn't identify it for months and months and months. And it was, just blew my mind. I was like, okay, I guess I need to figure out how I can support people and not have other people have this um, because that autoimmune condition is a precursor or that uh, infectious disease is a precursor for autoimmune conditions. Just crazy, crazy how you and I both came to be serving the demographics and, and being the living yeah, example. Absolutely. And combining experience with knowledge and training as well. And it's a it's a beautiful combination and it's it really means we're in a position to offer a lot with like our clients and stuff as well. So along those lines, 
Um, do you have a, a an effective method for folks to step back into their flow if they do get off the beaten path and they seem stuck and they're playing small and the story that they tell themselves over and over again? Is there a method for you that, that you tap into? So, yeah, flow does come up quite often, not just with my clients, but um, it seems to be like a bit of a a buzzword it's spoken about I've noticed in it myself anyway quite a lot in the online space lately and um, so for me the most effective method for stepping back into flow is to stop trying to be in flow because it's because that's like people trying to force it so um yeah just stop trying to be in flow and also assess what being in flow means to you like for me, being in flow, like I'm sure it can mean slightly different things to all people. So really assess what it means to like that individual, whoever's listening, really assess what it means personally to them. For me, when I'm in flow, it simply means that I'm I'm taking action towards my desires and what I want out of life. And it's the right balance between fun and ease and a little bit challenging and just feel like, unstoppable and on top of the world and lit up so really yeah assess what being in flow means for you and then create ways to facilitate it in your life instead of like right 10 o'clock Monday morning it's time to be in flow and like trying to force it <laughs> is it not happening so yeah and depending on an individual's answer to what flow means in particular for them yeah the answer It'll, it'll be different for everybody, whether it's a career change or just creating more space in the diary, maybe. Or, But yeah, for me, being in flow is going after what I want, what I desire, and that that perfect balance between fun and ease and like a little bit challenging. And I do, I feel lit up and on fire. That's beautiful. That is huge. Feeling lit up and feeling on fire. That's, that's what fuels me. And I often will sit in visualization and I will just imagine myself as the Phoenix, the, that mythological bird that literally rises from the ashes. And those times when I'm like, Oh, I think, I think it's time now. I think we've, we need to remolt basically. I think we need to die and then I'll, and I'll take some time and I'll, I'll take some inspired action just for myself and then I'll re-envision myself like visually becoming this bigger more burning brightful bright and and fiery phoenix and that kind of visualization it's so ironic that I live in the city of phoenix because (laughs) I never would have thought that that would be something but um, as far as flow something that I've been I've been practicing with my patients I want to share with you yeah do especially my patients that have children because as you know I I haven't had that beautiful blessing in my journey yet, um, but it, I do have, I seem to attract a number of, of women who are um, mothers and they might be new mothers and the frustration and the level of exhaustion is, is really rampant. And so what I've been doing, and I realize it extends to everyone is this little mantra. And what I have people do is I, they put out four fingers. And then every time we say a word, they put down a finger and the phrase is, peace begins with me. So they'll put down a finger, peace begins with me. And they say it over and over again. And if they're not, if they can't say it and it's believable, then that means that we should continue to say it. Keep, keep that mantra, peace begins with me over and over again. And then once it is 
believable and attainable. I've mm-hmm. seen people shift in like under a minute. I had a patient bring in, she came and she, no one could take care of her little girl, she's three years old. And I, you know, I don't do a lot of pediatrics, but so this, this isn't really a pediatric friendly clinic. So yeah. she was like on my ringing belt, my service bells and like <laughs> hand on this window, hand on that window. And so the two of us were like, okay, we need to do this practice with ourselves so that we can actually have our exchange, our patient interaction and not be outwardly focused on, on what her toddler is doing. I mean, to the means of safety to calm everybody down. So we did peace begins with me. And just in a few moments, we were able to transition it back into that state of flow. And it was super impactful. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you face your fears Mm. or how you advise your clients to do so. So I think to me, sort of leading on to how I was describing what flow means to me, like part of being in flow is that fine balance for me between things being fun and easy and like challenging. So for me, like I take, if if in my business and in my life, I don't ever feel fear, I don't ever feel nervous or apprehensive about something. I don't ever doubt myself occasionally. Like I ain't growing I'm not growing. I'm in my comfort zone. So for me personally, like a little bit of fear, like I try and encourage my clients to to make friends with it. Take it as a sign you're like growing and you're pushing yourself. Now, in some cases, there's um, a little bit of fear and then there's like a whole lot of fear, nervous system going crazy. And in which case I'd look at like the origin of what caused it and look at taking like breaking it down into smaller steps and helping the nervous system feel safe so they continue but essentially like like that saying feel the fear and and do it anyway like try and make it your north star a little bit take it as a sign that you know what I'm growing I'm outside of my comfort zone and yeah even try and make friends with it I love that leaning into fear as your north star Mm. I do a lot in my life to make sure I am doing things that I'm fearful of and apprehensive of every week. Like I have a a minimum of five things that it's going to serve me in my life purpose to lean into five things that will terrify me because I learned so much from living in those moments Mm -hmm. because I tend to be a creature of habit and comfort. And if I can continually push that out and I know that I produce the best quality content and patient interactions when I'm pushing up against that fear and that challenge and saying, Hey, why let's look, why, why does that scare me? Like I have an apprehension about skeletons. Um, I don't, I don't exactly know why I love Halloween. It's my, I was supposed to be born on Halloween. So it's my, it is one of my favorite holidays, but skeletons, um, it's a cadaver. I'm fine with not a big deal. Um, Cause we had to work on that through medical school, like dissecting and learning about the different muscles and everything. But when we got yeah. to the bones, I had this great fear and apprehension about bones. So um, I've been watching the show bones, um, which is, <laughs> it's like all about, they discover these bodies and she discovers why people were killed through looking at analyzing their bones. And I sometimes will be like, Oh, why why am I watching this? But it helps. It's when I'm doing, it's something I'm doing right now to get more comfortable with looking at bones. Um, And then a friend of mine works at this shop, um, this beautiful local shop here in Phoenix. And they have a multitude of like nature and things of that 
they have a multitude of nature and things of that um, pictographs and things, but they also have animal taxidermy and and um, bones in there. And and that I could feel myself like, oh, I'm, I don't like being in here. And then kind of coming to terms with why why it's just they're just bones. They're just I, I why is it so different for me to look at a cadaver or a human person and then look at bones of something? It, very interesting. So something I'm yeah. unpacking within my life. Um, I started um, learning NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and I'm only about a third half of the way through. So, um, but I do know NLP contains different techniques for, for phobias and for fears of things like that. So, um, yeah, I'll have to. I'll get back in touch here when I'm when I've done that part of my training course and let you know what I what I find if there's any new techniques I learn for overcoming things like that. I would absolutely be super fascinated by that. I considered getting certified in NLP, but that a couple of my friends who are certified, they said most of my language is already shifted that way. So I was like, mm, I might save yeah. that for something in the future. <laughs> but I did want to ask you a little bit about, um, I know that you have a passion for travel and I wanted to just deep dive in that for a moment because you have the blessing of living in a place where a lot of people actually travel to where you live. Yeah, I, yeah, I love, like for me, um, yeah, I've got a severe case of wanderlust, like absolutely not. I don't know, not even three hours goes by in a day without me dreaming of travelling somewhere. But yeah, it's sort of limited to, to local travelling. I think when I spoke to you before, like one of my business ideas, like before I spoke to you, was setting up like a local outdoors travel website and stuff because I absolutely loved adventuring outdoors and visiting different places. And I was like, well, if I could get paid to do this, amazing, dream yeah. job. But um. I completely, and I think I told you this before, completely lost my love of it because I was traveling to different places and I was thinking like, right, where can I take a picture for the website? And, oh, is the path wheelchair friendly? Because I'm sure somebody will want to know or pushchair friendly. And it completely took all the joy out of it. But yeah, I'm huge when it comes to nature and yeah, massively. And I think it's impossible not to love nature and not realise that we're, we're part of something that's so much bigger, bigger than ourselves. And like, yeah, massively love my nature for sure. I remember when I was younger, when I was a child, I used to live by the seaside and I had, I've gone through some pretty horrible times in my childhood, but I would, I'd, I remember as a child, probably like nine years old and I'd be stood on the beach and like with my feet in the sand, watching the waves like flow over my feet and like going back into the sea. And I just used to feel like so connected to something like bigger than me. Like, and I just, yeah, it's really hard to put into words, but I've always, if I'm ever feeling lost or like I'm disconnecting from myself a little bit, like nature, she always, she always reminds me who I am. She always has done. There is a physiological shift that occurs within the body, both when you have your feet, your bare feet connected to sand or dirt or particles of soil, as well as being surrounded by nature, whether it's the waves or the greenery. We, we literally see hormones shift, cortisol shifts, these things that influence 
your fight or fight response, your stress response, they mm-hmm. actually shift on a, on a measurable degree just by changing your environment. And each of those three different things, like being in a forest versus being in an ocean versus having your bare feet connected to sand, they all shift the nervous system. It's absolutely incredible what the data has shown yeah. us about that. Yeah, it's like, it's known as like grounding, isn't it? That's one of the terms for it. And it's mm-hmm. it's backed by science. It's not just some woo-woo, like just go walk around barefoot. There's actual science to it. It, it really does work, doesn't it? Yes, we are electromagnetic beings. And Mm -hmm. there's this belief we live in these suburban environments and urban environments. There's this belief that humans are different than nature, but humans are a part of nature. We are a part of the natural order. And when we return to that state, I mean, even here in my in my clinic, I have all these different nature things and and I I absolutely it serves my best interest and my patient's best interest. When you walk outside of the clinic, despite the fact that there are all these different botanicals and photos of botanicals and curtains in here that and pillows that have all these different cacti and succulents, when you walk out into the clinic from that front door, you walk into a courtyard of trees. And it, I so particularly selected this spot so that people when they enter and when they leave can be exposed to nature even if that's the only nature they get exposed to in their life is coming to visit me at the clinic Mm. because it actually shifts you from a physiological standpoint from that feeling of stress and fight or flight that adrenal fatigue into a more comfortable space and, and it can be super restorative so Thank you so much for sharing that actually our discussion inspired me to do something um I think I started doing it after shortly after you and I had that discussion. Yeah. Um, I started filming in the desert. Um, so I, I'm a registered herbalist. I, I have gone yeah. through all this extensive training in naturopathic school. We do a lot of botanical medicine training, but my undergraduate ad, undergraduate degree and thesis work was all in using plants and how um, in ethnobotany, how indigenous tribes used plants and the benefits of it, because I wanted oh, to wow. be an herbalist. And then I yeah. actually started shadowing some herbalists and recognizing I wanted to use botanicals, but also so many more modalities and that I ended up finding naturopathic medicine. But after all of that, while my last year in school, I also did a year long apprenticeship in herbalism in Western herbalism, and I would drive to Sedona and learn from an herbalist and she's so amazing feather she's such an amazing human I'm so blessed to have manifested her into my life. But then, since we last talked I went on an additional journey and I got fully certified in registered herbalism in addition to my naturopathic degree. And after Thank you so much. And after we had that discussion, I decided I wanted to do films of herb walks and plant walks about the desert plants. Um, Cause you and I had that discussion where you were like thinking about every angle um, for all that. And I was like, you know what? I could do that with video. So now I have a TikTok that's dedicated to walking people through plants, plants of the desert, plants, the desert um, biomes, there there are actually several desert biomes, not just the Sonoran Desert where I live. So sometimes I travel um, more into the foresty areas or the areas just around as you transition from desert to full coniferous forest. And I feature a plant and I talk about the benefits of the plant or the morphology of the plant or the beauty in the plant. And I honor the plant and that in and of itself, it's not necessarily revenue generating, but that in and of itself 
is so restorative for me and I get to share my plant passion and nature passion. And that was kind of spurred by our discussion about um, you going out into the forest. So I get to be my yeah, little plant I love parent. That. I love that. I've got um, a friend of mine. She does like local, like edible, like plant tours and stuff. And I did one um, a couple of years ago now. And it just really hit home even more to me. A, just how like much edible stuff there is everywhere that I walk past every day. And I don't even realise I am walking past a complete buffet of like food and things I can eat. But B, like it really like hit home even further how disconnected we can become from nature. Like, and I really do believe that when we become disconnected from nature, we become disconnected from like, like the very core of our being as well, don't we? Like we're, we're made up of that same, same energy. So yeah, I love that. Anyway, I love that. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, for, I know you do have an amazing coaching service, but beyond your coaching um, and being a mother, which in and of itself is like five jobs, what else do you like <laughs> to do outside of all of that? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because let's see if I can remember. It's been a long year. It's been <laughs> a long year. Do you know what? Let's just acknowledge that actually for a second. Like so many of us not being able to go out and do the things that light us up and connect with friends and connect with family and do the things that form part of our identity. It's been a tough year. Um, but yeah, that aside, just, just get that out of the way with. And for me, like love my nature, love going out, connecting with friends, connecting with family, always got a book on the go, um, live music as well for me, mm. I love my live music, like pre-pandemic, I always had live music booked in to look forward to, whether it was like a big festival or a big concert, or just like a, a local pub car park with a local band on or something one weekend, like I think music's the only other thing like nature that touches my soul like really speaks to me so yeah I'm looking forward to getting some more gigs and stuff booked in now restrictions are easing for sure would you say that that's something that makes your your heart happy I always like to ask folks that is that yes. something that makes your heart happy it really does it really does especially if it's some live music in nature that that is just like the perfect combination <laughs> to me if it's like outdoors and live music I'm like ah, happy happy my happy place but yeah it, it does make my heart happy it does and I think concerning music I'm quite the last don't know maybe year and a half or so really into like my, my meditative dance if I've pronounced that right like sticking some music on and literally it is such a good way to like shift energy and stuff literally dance like nobody is watching not dance how you would like at the club or something but literally <laughs> dance and shake and that has become like part of my daily practice now even if it's five minutes just sticking some music on and moving to it that's so beautiful. It's a part of my practice as well. And sometimes I actually, I put it on folks treatment plans. I'm like, okay, I'm sensing a lot of stuck energy. So I want you to actually have a dance party, schedule a dance party. I had my dance party right before I jo joined. Really loving actually, really enjoying listening to you speak and like 
displaying like an example of what personal boundaries can look like like there's lots of information out there but we don't have to take it all in and take action on everything we get to pick and choose what feels good for us in the moment what we're letting in and up that no it's not really fitting in with where I am right now in my life leave that for another time so like some great examples of personal boundaries going on because I've used manifestation in my life. I've manifested a beautiful, massive house in the countryside, um, dream home. But I really don't align with that old school law of attraction, can't think negative thoughts. And I, th I find that completely bullshit. Like if I manifested my thoughts, not my subconscious beliefs, but my thoughts, like my life would be a roller coaster of a shit show. Like I don't... Yeah, we can be low vibe. We can have negative thoughts occasionally and still manifest what we desire. So, yeah, that just popped into my head. I was like, yes. Well, loving how she's, she's sharing that stuff as well because that was a form of spiritual bypassing, that whole positive vibes only mm -hmm. that I witness a lot with my clients. So. Yeah. And it and it does it doesn't recognize and honor the fact that we are dynamic human beings and and that's mm -hmm. another thing I see that with my patients all the time they're like oh that that was bad that I thought that because that's negative and I, I'm I'm in the same camp as you I think it's amazing to to show up for yourself and be positive but I also recognize there are some days where I deserve a mental health check and saying hey I you know and I actually did I have an entire podcast that I did about this. Um, about grief, because at this point, I realized at this point in my life, um, third decade of life, I have lost someone huge and impactful on me every month of the year. Wow. And that is wild to me, you mm. know, and, and I can't sit and grieve every month that day. I, I, it's not that I can't, it's I won't. I, I've recognized that that doesn't serve me. So now I yeah. honor and celebrate their life. And I, and at this point, some of them, the day, I'd, the day doesn't even matter to me. It's like, oh, this is the month that that happened um, yeah. in, a, in a different decade. And I, and I don't have to stay stuck in the grief and stagnation. And it's allowed me to walk through my, through that space with my patients. But yes, the, the boundary and the recognizing that there is an infinite amount of training available. Yeah whether or not we decide it's the time to embark. And then I just have been getting all these downloads. Like it wasn't, that wasn't the time for me to process this, that, and the other. It was a time for me to process that and use what I can to serve my patients. Building. And I, I heard this beautiful quote. Um, I can't think of the exact specifics now, but the essential was it of it was to relish in chaos because folks think that when they're making these changes, they, and, and this happens in, in my practice too. They'll, they'll come and they'll say, we're working on my gut, but now all these other things have come up. And that's part of the healing process is mm -hmm. these rashes and this Herxheimer reaction and this recovery. And it's the same thing when you're doing mental, it's the same thing when you're doing mental health work too, is everything crashes and crumbles so that you can pave the way to rebuild on a different foundation. And sometimes we, and that's hugely what I do in, in my practice is we go back to the basics and we start from the beginning. What's your water source? What's your sleep like? What, what kind of food are you putting in your body? What mm -hmm. choices are you making with who you're exposing yourself to? So I completely agree returning and rising and building on those basic building blocks can be yeah, so life-changing. Yeah, really, really. And I really resonated with what you were saying about the the crumbling and building, rebuilding ourselves. Like for me, I've thought a few times, like, do I regret 
when I burnt out because I crashed hard. And I'm like, do you know what? It was horrible. But do you know what? I kind of needed it. Because if that hadn't have happened, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I wouldn't have rebuilt myself up and I wouldn't have stopped going down the path I was going on. So, yeah, there's something beautiful, isn't there, about rebuilding ourselves and like your your phoenix analogy rising from the ashes absolutely i have every belief that the way that our our lives have unfolded was to serve us and in the most high highest purpose um, and, mm-hmm. and show up for allow us to show up for ourselves in a way that we hadn't before um and i i was there too i remember being in seventh grade and saying t- to my parents why why is this happening to me when i first was diagnosed with my first autoimmune condition yeah. i remember turning to them and saying why me what did i do i've done nothing but serve everyone and that's exactly what it was is my whole life up until then i had been showing up for everyone but myself and this was my body saying hey we kind of need you to show up for us um there's yep. un- controlled cellular proliferation and you are trying to be everything for everyone to the point that we're expanding beyond you and you're not, you're not able to contain yourself and that kind now of you need to be looked after mm. and that kind of symbolism that happens and manifests internally and then externally is so huge and impactful so I agree I think both of our journeys have unfolded in just the way that was destined and divine mm. and I'm I'm so glad that we've crossed paths and thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's like, yeah, it's been lovely chatting with you. It really has. So thank you. I love you loads. I love you loads too. Oh, that makes me, that actually reminds me really quick before, before we sign off, um, you putting your hand to this, this, you had just discussed something and, and it occurred to me, um, how I've been able to set these personal boundaries and come more clear into what's going to serve me and what's not going to serve me is literally putting my hand up to my heart. Uh, You, you all can't see this on the podcast. Um, but Mm -hmm. as Shanna was signing off, she put her hand to her heart and said, uh, and we had the exchange uh, of energy, but that is also something I've been using to guide me is putting my hand up to my heart and literally just sitting with myself and saying, I start by saying, uh, my name, (laughs) my name is Lily. My hair color is reddish Brown. And then I start asking myself things. Is this going to serve my higher good is making this decision going to serve my higher good. And I feel it out. And that's how I've been able to reach some of those Mm -hmm. things that we were talking about, about setting personal boundary, not speaking to me because sometimes I can ask myself, but I don't have a way of connecting and tapping into. So by physically putting my hand to my heart and sitting with it and looking goofy, but recognizing that <laughs> it's helping me make decisions that serve me in my life and serve my higher purpose. Um, so that's something that's a big light bulb moment that just went off for me as you did. No, that. I love that. I love that. And it's great that you found a way to like feel more connected to yourself and reconnect with yourself because we can get so caught up in the hustle and the bustle and so that's something like I get my clients to do as well but just with something simple as in hand on the heart like asking themselves like how am I feeling today how am I feeling I think a lot of the clients that um I work with a lot of my clients on the emotional level and disconnected from their emotions and quite often and I used to do it myself but when somebody used to ask me, like, how I'm feeling, I'd answer busy. I'm like, that's not an emotion. And it's like, oh, how am I feeling, actually? I don't know. So, yeah, that's a good way of reconnecting to feelings as well. And just hand on heart and like, how am I feeling? Like, truly, truly feeling. So, um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you shared that. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. 
Let us know what you think of the show by writing a review in iTunes. If you screenshot before submitting, before it gets lost in the abyss for review, and send to us at drlilyhartwell at gmail.com, we'll send you a free guided breathwork. May you go on with your day in joy.